Hello, everyone. I'm Miriam Knight from New Consciousness Review, and our next rising star is visionary entrepreneur Paul O'Brien. Paul left an executive position in high tech to invent a new category of multimedia software in 1989. It evolved eventually to become the world's largest astrology and divination website. And when his company was acquired in 2007, for I might add a very tidy sum of money, Paul turned his energies to speaking and writing about visionary decision making. He founded the Divination Foundation, whose website is divination.com, and on it you will also find the podcast of the Pathways radio show, which he has produced and hosted for over 30 years. Paul is the author of three books, including Divination, Sacred Tools for Reading the Mind of God, The Visionary I Ching, A Book of Changes for Intuitive Decision-Making, and his latest book, which we're going to discuss today, called Great Decisions, Perfect Timing, Cultivating Intuitive Intelligence. Welcome, Paul. It's so lovely to reconnect with you. It's beautiful, Miriam. Thank you very much for having me. Now, Paul, you are a great advocate for the use of divination to support decision-making. What do you think divination tools are tapping into? Well, they're they're tapping into the subconscious, which is basically uh, linked to the collective unconscious, as Carl Jung called it. They're connecting to all of the archetypal powers that are available to us, uh, such as the 64 hexagrams of the I Ching or the 78 cards of Tarot or the gods and goddesses of all religions. We have all of these resources um that we can tap into if we're given the right right tools. And that's basically what the book Great Decisions, Perfect Timing is all about. And divination is one of those tools. It's only one chapter in the book. It doesn't hinge on, on divination. A divination system is a set of archetypes that you operate on in order to activate the synchronicity principle. And so you basically, uh, you cast a reading or you pick cards um, and that that um, event is a meaningful coincidence. The card that you pick represents an archetype, and all 78 archetypes are presumably inside of you, which is kind of the definition of archetypes. They're also in the collective unconscious. And so it's kind of the kind of the things that come into our dreams, and that's what Carl Jung noticed was the dreams of people all over the world had common elements, even though their cultures and their mythologies were different. And uh, that's how he discovered the collective unconscious. So we use divination to tap into that. You know, I'm wondering, I had a reading from a medium uh, a few weeks ago. And this uh, probably was the best reading I've ever had. And I was quite astounded at its accuracy. Now, what this medium did uh, while he was doing the reading was scribble with his right hand, which he said was to get him out 
to, to keep his um, left brain busy while he connected with his intuitive faculties. And I'm wondering if the divination tools, astrology, whatever, are really almost like the feather um, in Dumbo the elephant's nose that enabled him to fly, the magic feather. It really is more um, a way of gaining your confidence and allowing you to express this intent of connecting with the field of universal intelligence. Oh, that is so well put. I, I couldn't agree with you more um, because basically people who look to these things to predict the future or to give them precise directions or information um, are, are looking uh, are, are missing the point. The value in an I Ching reading, which is the form of divination that I uh, actually um, created the software around in 1989 and have since written my own version, a Western version of the I Ching, the visionary I Ching, as you described. Um, that's the one I know. And, and, and basically, I say you, you, we use it to stimulate the intuition or activate the intuition around problems that logic can't handle. And there's a lot of problems in life that logic can't handle. Timing issues, relationships, uh, office politics, the list goes on. And um, so I use divination when I have problem like when I have something like that, but I don't expect it to tell me what to do or to predict the future. I'm just looking for a little bit of a nudge so that I can think outside the box of black and white thinking. And if I get one new idea, it, if my, it, it basically it activates your intuition. And so my whole mission in life as an entrepreneur, since I left, the, uh, the, I left a, uh, an executive position as a software marketing specialist in 1988 to start uh, to develop I Ching software, um, and that for me... Um, was all about empowering people with this tool, this interactive I Ching, and later I added Tarot, and then after that, numerology, and then astrology. Um, I wanted to empower people to find their inner psychic or their inner medium and learn how to read between the lines on their own. So that's sort of been my mission in life, is to create tools that empower people to um, cultivate intuitive intelligence as the subtitle of my new book says it. Well, when you um, left the company that you were working for um, to put everything that you had into the development of this website and software program, that was a major step. Um, were you using the I Ching to guide you, and how did that work? Well, absolutely. You know, I was uh, I was using the I Ching. I was actually at that point in my career. I was the vice president of a high tech company, and I made a lot of money. And um, I mean, I had a high salary. And I, but I was very unhappy with the office politics. Uh, the owner was a engineer who had no had never worked for anybody in his life. Anyway, um, and I was using the I Ching at work. And it was that's kind of cumbersome. It's a, it was a big book, and I had to find a private closet or something to cast the coins in. And I one day it occurred to me, why I sure wish I could just do this on my computer, 
and a light bulb went off that inspired me to see uh, if it could be done. But to actually, then I actually was so so excited about it because I had loved the I Ching my entire adult life. But I never made any significant decisions in my entire adult life without consulting the I Ching. Now, did I always let it inform me? Well, sometimes I was better at it than others. Uh-huh. But yeah, no. And so when I actually made the I Ching software, or when I said, hey, I'm going to see if I can do this, um, I consulted the I Ching. And the I Ching, basically, I feel the I Ching told me to do it. And uh, um, it was, uh, I got the hexagram breakthrough uh, turning into abundance. Now, the abundance didn't come for another 15 years. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's how I, yeah, the I Ching was involved in its own uh, computer-assisted transformation. It's interesting about the timing, because you said that the abundance card or, or hexagram came up, but it didn't happen for another 15 years. But in that intervening 15 years, you were firmly fixed on the notion of abundance. So it could very well be just invoking the law of attraction. Well, you know, I, I didn't think about abundance as much as I thought about meaning. You know, I wanted to, I chose... I chose meaning over money. I left a high-paying job to do this very risky, foolhardy thing, really. All of my peers thought I was crazy to, to think that I could make a business out of I Ching software in 1989. And they were pretty right. But I was so fascinated by the I Ching by that point in my life. I've been using it for 20 years almost. And, um, and I was fascinated by the potential of multimedia software. So there was this creative... Uh, um, fixation that developed within me and I, I was in love with the I was just fascinated by the idea of, of of developing the intersection between these two things that had fascinated me for a long time so it kind of got a hold of me my motto at the time was wherever God drags me I will follow because I, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't rationalize it any other way but really what I was looking for above all was what I called creative freedom and that was a very modest, uh, that had a very modest definition. It just meant making a living doing something that was meaningful to me or something I cared about. It wasn't paying off the mortgage. It wasn't becoming wealthy. It wasn't, uh, I mean, it, it, it wasn't what it turned into. Um, but so it's a great story. And that's the book has my story in there. The story of, of somebody who chose meaning over money and then the money came anyway. Um, but it wasn't never, it was never really about, uh, making a lot of money because I could not even fathom that I Ching software could ever have that big a market. Sure. sure. At the time. And it still doesn't. The I Ching, uh, so I have an I Ching app now called the Visionary I Ching. It's in the Apple Store. It's in the Google Store. Uh, and it's fantastic. And I love it. And it's through the Nonprofit Divination Foundation. But in my career as an entrepreneur and a product developer, the I Ching was the least remunerative thing I ever did, but it was the soul of the whole thing. I think it also illustrates what happens when you work from the soul, from your heart and soul. Right. And it all—it's really the the success that you have had is icing on the cake. Well, and it's more creative freedom is what it is. Absolutely, I, I attracted creative freedom in spades, but I didn't even fully visualize it. So it's kind of that's kind of interesting because usually when you hear about visualization and creative manifestation, 
we sort of have the the, the assumption that we we need to be able to visualize the the you know the, the the magnificent scope of what it is, and I didn't at all. I just wanted to make a little. I just wanted to be able to support myself and my son um, as an entrepreneur. I wanted that was a that's a tall enough order to begin with. I think so many people are in a similar position today that they are in jobs that destroy their soul and they would love to be able to earn their living uh, doing what they love. Yeah, but you know what? I tell people, you know, honor your day job. I actually wrote a blog about that because even when I did this big transition, it was huge. I continued to work for that company for you know a couple of years as a international marketing consultant, <laughs> and 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 I tell people I said you know in the 1700s you were not able to choose your vocation or where you lived or even who you married, you know, and so it wasn't until the latter part of the 19th century that we had the freedom to do choose any of those things, really for the most part, and I'm talking about the wide swath of the population and in England and in America, we didn't have any freedom at all. So the freedom that we have now is incredible. And so, of course, we always want more freedom. That's human nature. I call it creative freedom because I'm creative. But um, we always want more than we, you know, it's an expansionary, evolutionary urge for more freedom. So, yeah, it's a big dream to to be able to make a living doing something you love. But I, I think it's pretty good karma right now. And I tell people, you know, if you have a day job that's not, like, destroying your soul, that's a really good thing. And most people have a day job. Even I have a day job now. I mean, my day job is to pay my taxes and to make decisions about my investments. It doesn't take up a lot of my time, which gives me a tremendous amount of creative freedom. But nevertheless, I don't really enjoy those things. and um, It's just kind of the, the nitty-gritty. And everybody has a day job. Sure. Sure. But you also need some kind of creative outlet to yeah. get those juices flowing. Right, of course. And so artists and actors, you know, are working in restaurants, but they, they have to do it on the side, you know, and most people do. So let's get back to the subject of your book, which is Visionary Decision Making. Presumably this uh, relies on developing one's sense of intuition, one's connection, if you will. How can people improve their intuition, Paul? Well, in chapter two, in the second part of the book, I have like five chapters that answer that question. And it involves, um, uh, some of it has to do, it starts with self-knowledge and becoming aware of what fascinates you. And so I like using my story as, as an example I was fascinated by the I Ching, and I was fascinated by uh, the the potential of software as an interactive uh, experiential tool. Uh, well, people are fascinated by different things, but a lot of times people don't know they don't honor what they were fascinated by during stage one of their life, which is the student stage. So I talk about the stages of life. I talk about how to pinpoint your fascinations. You know, in other words, how to tap into your uh, your creative side. Um, and then I talk about how t- the intuition is like a tiny little antenna. I say the five senses are like huge antenna on your mind. And they're bringing in a lot of information and a lot of stray signals, a lot of noise. 
and you got the visual sense, you got the olfactory sense, you got the auditory sense. There's a lot of sounds and, and sights. And so you've got this dinky little sixth antenna. They used, they've called it the sixth sense for a thousand years, called it, which is the intuition. Now, this antenna is calibrated to a very fine, subtle, quiet signal. And it's easily drowned out by the noise of the senses and all of the bombardment uh, that, that we um, live with these days, with information streaming all in every direction. And, uh, and then there's the internal clattering of the mind. So basically, the intuition is an antenna. This is my, my, t my presentation of it. And it works great if there's not too much noise on the line and if there's not too much no internal clattering going on. So you've got to quiet you got to quiet yourself down. So there's these de uh, exercises in the book that are mindfulness exercises that reduce the noise so that you can have a clearer channel. And then we also talk about using dreams as a source of, of, of information that could be relative to decision-making. And then there's a chapter on channeling archetypes, in particular the archetypes that are relevant to executive decision-making. Because in the book I present... Everybody's the CEO of their own lives. And the quality of the decisions you make is directly correlated with the level of success and happiness that you're going to, re, re, uh, you're going to experience. Decision-making is the master skill. This is the royal skill, and it's what we pay CEOs a fortune to do. It's their primary job, and it's what we pay politicians a, a lot, give them a lot of power to do on our collective behalf. This is important stuff. The decisions you make is the most important thing, highest leverage activity you do, and yet, and you'd think we'd be good at it with this power to visualize, but really, Miriam, we suck. <laughs> we're, we're either too emotional or we're over-analytical. There's so many ways to do it wrong, and we're not in touch with our intuition anymore. We're out of sync with nature. So this is a book about how to get back into the, you know, how to re-engage the intuition and how to use some of these uh, um our, uh, psychological constructs like archetypes and, and the synchronicity principle to make better decisions and then cultivate in, your intuition in the process. And once your intuition starts to wake up, your timing starts to get better. And why is that? Because timing is a decision. It's answering the question, when should I make my move? The first question is, what's the best next move to make and the second question is and when should I pull the trigger that's the timing question that's a hundred percent intuitive so if your intuition is good your timing is going to be better and so that's the uh, until you get more and more in sync with um, perfect timing which is what Carl Jung called synchronicity so it's a system the whole book is a system it's got these moving parts and then there's a chapter on divination and I, I focus on the I Ching because that's the one I know that's the one I've written I was just in China and I talked to um, a PhD class at China Academy of Social Sciences um, under the auspices of this doctor of philosophy Taoist philosophy it's amazing how China's opening up and uh, I gave this uh, talk about my I Ching which I wrote 25 years ago and I have the app now I gave it to this class of PhD students who are all doing dissertations on the I Ching, and it was amazing. They loved it. They loved that somebody in the West was honoring their tradition like that, and also that I was bringing Western psychology to bear on it 
and, and really coming up with a personal growth I Ching, which they can't do because all the I Ching scholars in China are focused on the technical accuracy and the historical accuracy. And, you know, it's all very technical and left brain. So it was fun. It was fantastic. Maybe you should tell our listeners a little bit uh, about the Visionary I Ching um, program and, and book that you wrote. I, I really enjoyed your illustrated book. Um, how you have brought it into modern times. Well, what happened was I, I had that vision I was telling you about, about this intersection between the I Ching and software. In other words, a software version of the I Ching. And then I quickly, you know, and I, I did it. I hired a programmer and I made it work. And I, I wanted to see if it, if, it was a, a, if it really would work. And it did. Um, but I didn't have any text because I didn't have any rights to all of the various uh, book versions of the I Ching that I was familiar with. I had about 20 different versions. And, you know, I've been studying it for 20 years. But um, so then I thought, well, you know what? I really want to write my own anyway, because I am not that happy with any of the versions. And they all have good things about them. So I basically, with the help of a, a, a Taoist uh, writer friend of mine, um, wrote my own version of the I Ching, which I call the Visionary I Ching. And then I added art to it because uh, this woman was uh, an inspired I Ching artist who had 64 paintings already done and uh, she was looking for a place you know any she was just selling her painting synchronicity yeah it's amazing so I had an illust- all of a sudden I had an illustrated I Ching and then I made a CD-ROM out of it later and now it's out in, in the form of a book but this text is it, the, what I was striving for was a version of the I Ching which is goes back 3,000 years. You know, it's, it, it's, it's fairly patriarchal because Confucius had a huge stamp on it. You know, and Chinese culture has been extremely patriarchal for God knows how long, probably 5,000 years or maybe 3,000. But in any case, the I Ching is pretty patriarchal. It always talk, talks about the superior man. I wanted to have a version of the I Ching that was... That was um, More universal. Well, non-sexist. Mm-hmm. There's no superior man in my version. <laughs> and, and then I wanted it to be non-militaristic, too. You know, in the, in the old Chinese I Ching, you've got things that says, like, the army marches to the southwest. Okay, well, nobody knows what that means anymore, and I don't give a damn anyway. So, you know, because it was used by generals and the emperor, and, and, and it was used in military context. So I took all that military stuff out. And, and, and I also wanted it to be more Taoist and less Confucian. Confucianism is about, you know, it, being humble and staying in your place and performing your role and doing what you're told. And um, whereas Taoism is much more in, uh, in line with uh, the American temperament of, of rugged individualism and, and idiosyncratic uh, pioneers and you know, they have the crazy Buddha. And I mean, the, the Taoists are really very individualistic and very freedom-oriented. So I thought that's a much better... And I'm a Taoist anyway. So um, so that's that, that was my... So I wrote my own I Ching, and it's, it's evolved over the last 25 years. And now it's an app, and I'm, I'm really proud of the app. This uh, French developer approached me, and he was looking for an I Ching author, and that's how that happened. So you're right. When, when you're... When you're coming from your heart, and when you're, you know, and when your your timing keeps improving, 
you don't really even have to even focus on timing. Stuff just comes to you. There's so many stories in the book about how this guy calls me up and offers me the domain name tarot.com. I mean, because he liked the way that I was doing um, um, divination software. Mm -hmm. And this woman leased me a house. I was the hundredth person in line, and she asked me what I did. And I said, well, I make this quirky little software for the Macintosh. This was in 1990. And uh, she goes, really? I have a Macintosh. What is it? And I said, it's called Synchronicity. It's an I Ching program. She goes, you're the guy who did Synchronicity? <laughs> she goes, that's the only software I've ever bought in my life. I just got a Macintosh, and that's the only software I've bought. I go, you're kidding me. She goes, no. Well, I'm leasing this house to you right now. I mean, that that's just, these stories are true stories, and it's happening to me to this day. I didn't go to China to meet I Ching experts. I went there for a conference and I end up having this thing. Now I'm translating my I Ching into Chinese. It's just, it's just, uh, it's a beautiful thing. The Synchronistic Lifestyle is the title of Chapter 12 of The Great Decisions Perfect Timing book. The Synchronistic Lifestyle. When your timing starts getting good and you're in alignment with who you are and what you're supposed to be doing in the sense of creating meaning in your life, um, you, you are living, it, it, things get really um, magical. I've heard that so many times, but how do you um, make that mental switch to open yourself to viewing the synchronicities in your life or to inviting them in? You read my book, that's step one. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that is the best advice I can give. <laughs> Okay. And you know what? I I'm I appreciate your show and what you do. And you and I've known each other for a long time, even though not very well, but we've 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 done interviews of each other before. And I, I love what you're doing and I appreciate it. And I, I wanna support I wanna make a gift right now to you and your listeners about the book because I have a way I can give it to them if they can abide uh, an electronic version. I mean, it's for sale at Amazon, and I do love reviews on Amazon, no matter how a person gets it. But if people go to Divination, I have a, a private page. There's no links to this. If people go to divination.com slash free book, they can download a copy of the entire thing uh, for a Kindle or for an iPad or, or a PDF version. Um and all they have to do is sign up for our newsletter. And I'm happy to do that, Miriam. I know we did not discuss this. You didn't know I was going to do this, but I want to do it. And I've done it. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's divination.com forward slash free book? Exactly. All uh, one word. Yeah. Okay. Well, I actually did that, Paul. And I had to try it out using pennies. And I have to say, I was pretty dumbfounded at the um, the depth of the advice and the, the applicability of it. And, um, you know, we don't have that much time left in our interview today, but what is the intersection of synchronicity, intuition, um, aside from reading your book? Uh, what piece of advice can you give people to invite that into their lives? 
Well, chapter 11 is entitled Belief Engineering. And, and, and if we can start cultivating, we, we need to, what I say in that chapter is we need to update our beliefs just like we update the apps on our smartphone. We, 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 beliefs need to always be subject to change uh, and, and upgrading. Um, and so there are some visionary beliefs that I would ask people to entertain and at least try out. And one of them is that change is your friend. If you believe that change is your friend, then you're starting to invite synchronicities in, into your consciousness because they're happening all the time. But we're afraid of change to a great extent. Or some people, you know, sometimes we think change is a threat or we feel that change is a threat. But if you can cultivate the belief that change is your friend, then you're going to be more open to noticing the synchronicities that are happening all the time. Another belief that you can entertain and just try it on and see how it works. It does, you don't have to prove anything, is everything happens for a reason. Now, I can't prove that, Miriam, uh, and I'll never be able to prove that, but I believe that. Why do I believe that? Because it works. It works for me to think that everything happens for a reason and to also understand that it's not my job to know what the reason is necessarily. I mean, of course I want to know, and people agonize over things. Why did this happen to me? And, oh, my God, why did this happen to me? You know, and that is the biggest waste of time. And if they would just say, well, I don't know why this happened to me, maybe I will in a, in a few months or a year, um, but no matter what, I know it's happening for a reason. And even though maybe it feels like a setback, maybe there's a good reason that's uh, it's it, it's I'm avoiding uh, going into some deep pit or some dead end street or there's some new opportunity that want that wants an opening. We don't know. We're not in control. So everything happens for a reason. So we entertain these kind of beliefs and then we start noticing signals, uh, the synchronicities, and um, intuition is. Um, you know, the ability to read between the lines is the ability to see these patterns and connect the dots in new ways using using the sixth sense. So that's right. I'll, I'll just leave you with, with those notes. <laughs> okay. And so, Paul, your website is divination.com? That's right. That's the one to go to. Right. Well, we have been speaking with Paul O'Brien about his book, Great Decisions, Perfect Timing, Cultivating Intuitive Intelligence. And you could tell from the discussion that it's a book war very worthwhile picking up. Paul, thanks so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure, Miriam. I'm Miriam Knight. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.